always remember, your focus determines your reality. Welcome to another edition of the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas, uh, and today we are going to talk about uh, attentional bias. Uh, and I'm going to explain that quote uh, from Star Wars The Phantom Menace and why I, you know, subjected you to that in just a second. But first I want to ask, you know, a very simple, you know, non-divisive, totally, you know, basic question. Does God answer prayers? So uh, if you were to ask a theist, someone who believes in God, this question, they may in fact try to recall a time when they prayed for something and they got it. If you were to ask an atheist this question, who if they had ever prayed in their life, would have pointed out a time when they prayed for something and they did not get it. And the idea is that we pay attention to uh, certain things at the exclusion of others. So the a, the theist might not think about all the times that they asked God for something and didn't get it, whereas the atheist, again, if they had ever asked God for something and then they got it, they might disregard that as well. They're only going to focus on the thing that kind of supports their belief. So that version is a little bit of a confirmation bias, but you can see it in uh, uh, other things too. You know, um, I remember my uh, wife one time talking about how frustrated she is that like whenever you're waiting on a platform for a train and there's like one going one way and one going the other. The one going the other way always comes first. But when she said that, she sort of acknowledged, yeah, this is uh, kind of a confirmation bias and it's an intentional bias where you're recalling all the times that the train showed up on the other side, especially if you were late, but you're kind of forgetting and disregarding all the times when, nope, the train that is on your side showed up first. Because it probably happened, you're just not thinking about it right now. So attentional bias is all about focus, which is why, again, I subjected you to a little bit of Phantom Menace, because I really actually do like that quote, you know, your focus determines your reality, because it really kind of does. Um, or at least it does for you at that time. So um, there are certain, you know, kind of pre-existing conditions that can kind of affect this. So one of the ways uh, people use this is to uh, look at people who have anxiety disorder. So someone who's anxious all the time. I think I may, in fact, have a little bit of anxiety disorder myself. Um, but they give them uh, a test. It's called a dot probe test. And uh, what they do is they flash a bunch of faces on a screen. Um, and uh, like a neutral face and a face that, you know, might impose like a threat, like an angry face. And uh, then they'll just sort of flash a dot on one of those faces. And what'll happen is the dot that's on the, you know, angry or threatening face, if you have anxiety disorder, you are going to click on that button much faster. You basically have to click when you see the dot. And your reaction time goes way up when you see a threatening face because you're kind of already prone to that. You're, you're, um, you're prioritizing what they call threat cues, right? Interestingly, uh, folks who have depression... Um, respond take longer to sort of develop uh, the 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 kind of um, threat response than folks of anxiety disorder. In fact, they kind of use attentional bias as a way to kind of distinguish between someone with anxiety disorder and someone with depression. I don't totally get how that works, but that's kind of where where they start to draw that line is kind of the reaction times. Um, so on the other hand, people who respond better to happier cues tend to just be happier in real life, right? They're more pro-social, like they're not worried all the time. Um, so they can clearly see like you're kind of pre-biased for paying more attention to happy cues versus unhappy cues. And in fact, there's almost a delayed reaction for happy faces with people who have anxiety disorder. They almost avoid the happy cues and gravitate towards the threat cues. Um, so... There's also a bias toward negative words. So if you do the same experiment and using words instead of faces, the negative words get much faster reaction time because, again, you're kind of already primed to look out for those threats. 
Um, and this kind of makes, you know, evolutionary sense. Uh, if you think about, again, back in the times when your biggest worry is, am I going to be eaten by that saber-toothed tiger, right? I'm going to be hyper-focused on looking out for those threats because my life depends on it. Um, and I'm going to pay less attention to happy cues, which don't pose any real threat. Um, the uh, other place that uh, this comes up is in memory. Um, so if you, you know, form a memory at a time where you're kind of hyper-focused on one part of that memory, you're going to bias that memory, right? Like, and when you remember it later, you're going to ignore all the kind of other things that were going on and just remember the thing that you were focused on. And our memories are bad enough as it is. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Um, it's even worse you kind of th when you throw an attentional bias where only one aspect of that memory is kind of the thing that you're, you're, you're hyper-focused on. Um, where this gets uh, interesting is in uh, addictions, where people have looked at the attentional bias people have around their addictions, and whether it's a, a food addiction, and people are kind of responding more um, uh, assiduously to uh, like food stimuli or food words, or if it is uh, smoking, let's say, and you're like words like puff or cigarette, like you're going to um, have more reaction to. And for this test, they use something called the Stroop test, which is basically you show um, a word and you're supposed to identify what color the word is. So the word is, you know, is in some kind of colored font. And it's actually the inverse of the, the dot probe. It's not how fast you react, but how slow do you react. So if just a neutral word like table comes on the screen, and let's say you're addicted to smoking, table comes on the screen, you pretty quickly identify, oh, that was green, like the, uh, the the word table in green. If the word puff shows up in red, it takes a little longer for you to press, you know, and to identify the color and say it's red. And the idea is that because you're paying way more attention to words that trigger like the thing you're addicted to, um, it takes you longer to realize, oh, right, I'm supposed to figure out what uh, color this is. Right, it's red. Instead, you're going, oh, puff, right, cigarettes. I love cigarettes. Oh, I really want one right now. Oh, right, it's red. Like, there's this delay, even a microseconds of delay that happens, and this has been shown consistently. Like, if it's, you know, cigarettes, then it's words related to smoking. If it's food, it's words related to food. And they realize that this is why it's really, really hard to quit certain addictions. There's a chemical aspect, but there's also this behavioral aspect where... You are going to, in your daily course of, you know, living in the world, see lots and lots and lots of stimuli. But the ones that have to do with food or the ones that have to do with cigarettes or whatever your addiction is are going to just jump out at you. Those are the ones you're going to hyper-focus on. That's where your atten attentional bias is. And so even if you encounter, like, a million stimuli in one day, the three that have to do with smoking are going to keep you smoking. And again life experience, right? Like I used to smoke and I can tell you, like if I saw other people smoking, it made me want to smoke more, right? Uh, it wasn't just purely, you know, the nicotine. It was like, oh, I needed this reminder, right? That, oh, right. I like smoking. Yeah. I see people smoking. I'd love to, you know, go smoke. And the same thing would happen. I'm sure if I saw words related to that and so on. So it's this, um, behavioral aspect of addiction that's makes it even harder to overcome. And they're working now to sort of figure out other ways that we can manipulate attentional bias, maybe even through some of these tests by introducing different stimuli, right, um, as you go through them. And again, I don't totally get how this works, but that is something they're looking into in sort of smoking cessation programs, for example, to say, can we start to use these attentional biases to kind of undermine, right, the behavioral aspects of addiction? 
which I think is is really interesting and, and, and really hopeful, which is, you know, not something you get a lot of on this podcast, but it's nice to know that there might be a way out. You might be able to use the, the bias against itself for a better outcome. Uh, anyway, that is all for this week. Um, and uh, come talk to me on our Facebook page. We just got a Facebook page for season two. Woohoo! Um, it's uh, facebook.com slash cognitive bias podcast. Uh, come talk to me about any attentional biases you think you might have, things that you think you pay attention to over other things. Um, and uh, we will talk soon for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. This is David Dylan Thomas. See you next time. <laughs>